Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aranex Show, the podcast powered by Fathom World and hosted by me, Craig Eason. Later in the program, we'll hear from Orestes Shinas from innovative ship finance firm HHX Blue, who is estimated for the EU-funded wind-assisted ship propulsion project the potential and value of the technology markets for those systems as ships all around the world face the challenge of meeting the targets set for shipping's immediate carbon intensity reduction. So wind-assisted technologies are already in, uh, let's say, in the list of technologies that are promoted by classification societies, technical experts, etc., etc. And if we consider that only 10% of this budget will be allocated to wind-assisted technologies, why? Because it is easy to, uh, let's say, retrofit, because it is easy to install, because there is already knowledge and technology, and how to, then we can see that a new market of 30 billion potential is, let's say, generated. At Fathom World, I focus on the transformation of the shipping maritime and ocean space, but undoubtedly one of the most exciting parts is keeping track of the changing technologies and solutions that are now becoming available to help shipping become a cleaner industry. Ship owners around the world face some excruciatingly difficult decisions in the coming years, and I mean the coming four or five years, as expectations rise to reduce CO2 emissions and then decarbonise. Political pressure is also mounting. Here's Nigel Topping. He's the UK high-level champion for climate change for the next UNFCCC COP meeting, which is in Glasgow at the end of this year. So it seems to me that we are clearly... Uh, 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 very rapidly moving to convergence on agreeing that a transition to zero is feasible within the scientific required time frame by 2050. All signs point to hydrogen and ammonia being the most promising fuels. Um, zero emission fuels being ready um, by 2024, ready to order by 2022. Those dates seem to be coming forward every time. I, I'm, I'm not steeped in, in shipping, Venice, as you say, so every time I, I, I dip in, that we seem to be getting more confident we can go faster. Um, and I think the rapid increase in green hydrogen commitments from both governments and private sector players is encouraging. Um, we have a large number of um, cargo owners in the race to zero, but we need to have more um, shipping owners. So far, only um, uh, only uh, only the only container shipping is is mass. So we need more players along the value chain, more commitments from ports and from fuel manufacturers. Uh, so that we can drive that near-term um, collaboration across industry and government to drive um, the, 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 the pace needed. Finally, long-term, we've got to have a level playing field. Um, and that, I think, is going to mean that uh, some sort of carbon levy or similar forcing mechanism, and there the IMO role is going to be critical. Um, and the dis- discussions at the um, MEPC in June on the proposals um, from the Marshall and Solomon I- Islands will be I think an important opportunity for the IMO to indicate its commitment to playing an active role in the transition to net zero. I know that a lot of people are looking to the IMO to show that leadership and are sceptical at the moment because they feel they haven't seen it. So I would encourage all governments to make sure that your IMO delegations are sending a clear message on the need for rapidly increased ambition. We can't continue to have one set of ambition communicated through climate ministries and a separate one through transport ministries. 
That's Nigel Topping, the UK high-level champion on climate change for the next UNFCCC COP meeting in Glasgow in November this year. He was talking during a World Bank webinar to explain two recent papers the bank has recently commissioned and published. One looks at the benefits of developing countries of a decentralised fuel network as shipping turns to fuels such as hydrogen and ammonia that can be made using renewable electricity and not the hydrocarbons of today which are controlled by a powerful few. The second paper outlines the bank's views that shipping is heading down a dead end if it continues to order ships powered by LNG. This report is more controversial and has been criticised by groups who say that hydrogen and ammonia fuel and the engines that can burn the fuel won't be available in the short term. Nigel Topping sides with the World Bank perspective but he also believes that countries, the UN member states that are also IMO member states, are under increased pressure in the face of the UNFCCC meeting to align their priorities. And that means making sure that what they say about decarbonisation goals in general is what they get their delegations to say at the IMO's MEPC, or Marine Environmental Protection Committee, meetings. The MEPC has been riddled with inaction in the past as delegations procrastinate on one theme or another over the last 20 years. But maybe things are changing now. Recently, both the UK and the USA have alluded to increased pressure on the shipping industry, an industry that has agreed to certain targets by 2030 and 2050, but which may soon find that those targets are just not going to be enough. The UK has said it wants to bring what it sees as its share of shipping emissions into its own greenhouse gas budget accounting, along with aviations. And the US has reaffirmed in a recent World Leaders Summit a commitment to talks at the International Maritime Organization. So yes, the pressure and the rhetoric seem to be mounting. Since the Paris Agreement in 2015, the science has shown that even the sudden surge in acceptance of the problem has not resulted in enough action. So this year, despite the restrictions of the pandemic, we see the world looking at the next UNFCCC meeting in Glasgow, and it's seen by some as the most important meeting since Paris. Some of the papers from the IMO's June MEPC meeting include submissions about market-based measures from the Bahamas, the one that Topping alluded to, as well as papers on the two agreed measures to make initial curbs on shipping submissions, that's the EEXI and the CII, the Energy Efficiency Existing Ship Index, and the carbon intensity indicator, as well as more acceptance of alternative technologies, especially as pressure may increase to strengthen that 2030 goal. Now, one such technology, of course, is wind assist solutions. These are a growing range of solutions which provide some additional thrust to an existing vessel, and these are the Flettner rotors, wing sails, and kites that can harness wind and provide a vessel with a little push, thus enabling the vessel's engines to run at a more efficient power and reduce its emissions. If you look back in the Aronax podcast archives, you'll find a number of interviews with companies that have been developing, testing and selling such concepts. There are now more than a dozen examples on commercial ships, some of which are subject to some additional research to achieve better understanding of the benefits, as well as a better way of estimating what these technologies can offer by way of fuel savings and reduced emissions for owners interested in new installations. But one of the issues with the WASP technology deployment is access to capital, both for the companies developing the technology and the ship owners interested in using them. I recently took part in a webinar organised by the Wind Assisted Ship Propulsion Project, an EU-funded project organised through the Interreg North Sea Europe programme, part of the European Regional Development Fund. 
The project has brought together universities, research groups and ship owners to not only test wind assist system performance, but to also look at how modelling of performance can be better developed and then this modelling used both to assess the technology performance on a retrofit as well as the actual algorithms. In this way, the aim is to give better reassurance to ship operators that have an interest in applying wind assist technologies to an existing ship or one they want to order and have built. Wind assist technologies from companies such as Norse Power, Airseas, Anamoy, Eco, Econowind and others are still new, but they are visible demonstrations of how the industry is changing. But in order to convince ship owners and operators that these technologies can be applied, it needs both good data to show the expected results and a good finance model to show that the return of investment is valid. So as part of the webinar, I heard from Professor Dr. Orestes Shinas from alternative ship finance firm HHX Blue, who said that the regulations that have recently been approved, namely the EEXI and the CII, will be drivers for technology investment. And this could be good news for anyone with investment in clean tech. Um, allow me to remind you that uh, the value of the asset, let's say the ships currently in the water is around $1.2 billion, $1.2 trillion. And as per the current regulatory requirements, the ones that we expect to have in MFC 76 and in the near future, almost 80% to 90%, depending on the ship type and size, uh, will not comply with the regulations of EXI, the Energy Efficiency Operating Index, and the Carbon, uh, the carbon uh, Intensity Index. And um, this gives a huge, um, let's say, trigger for financiers and operators to invest in shipping assets again. And this is, uh, let's say, what uh, this is also the outcome of the studies and the input that we get from classification societies where practically 90% of the total fleet, of the existing total fleet, does not comply with the EDI phase three requirements. Uh, in this regard, uh, bank lending and generally available capital for debt is decreasing from banks due to banking and financial regulatory, let's say, issues. So the leverage of the industry is still 50%. And that means, I mean, right now I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about across segments and sectors. So, and that means that it is really challenging for ship owners capital in order to retrofit or let's say to update the technology on board or let's say to build new ships. And this is challenging. Uh, we have concluded um, uh, an analysis uh, that will be published soon, uh, where around 300 billions is the cost of the estimated decarbonization effort in assets uh, for the period 2025-2030. That is, let's say, the first period um, to the compliance with the 2030 goals of the IMO. And uh, we have, uh, as I said, this figure is very close to what other sources estimate. So you can have a range from 250 to 350 only for, let's say, new ships or retrofit. Uh, in this period. And keep in mind that the order book right now, most yards worldwide, is, um, let's say, empty. To cut a very long story short, if we estimate 300 billion, in, uh, that is, let's say, the total amount of uh, cost for decarbonization and to achieve the goals of IMO 2030, uh, and uh, considering that wind assist technologies are already in, uh, let's say, in the list of technologies that are promoted 
by classification societies, technical experts, etc., etc. And if we consider that only 10% of this budget will be allocated to Windows technologies, why? Because it is easy to, uh, let's say, retrofit, because it is easy to install, because there is already knowledge and technology, and how to, then we can see that a new market of 30 billion potential is, let's say, generated. And this is a very interesting um, point for our colleagues working on the technical aspects for WASP, because unless we have credible data from a technical point of view, unless we have, let's say, credible data on the energy, uh, let's say, savings, on the operating profile, unless, let's say, we do our technical uh, homework properly, then our financial calculations are more speculative than, let's say, very well substantiated. Professor Orestes Sheenas, HHX Blue, talking during the EU-funded WASP project webinar recently. Now, there is another option when it comes to wind power technology, and that's to build a ship that can use the wind for its entire sailing power. A return to sail sounds nostalgic and even romantic, but it can be commercially sound, according to Sea Cargo CEO Danielle Doggett. She and her team are currently building Seba, a wooden schooner that she says can run commercially and make a profit. Now, this is certainly not a big vessel. Its cargo capacity under the deck is equivalent of only nine 20-foot containers, but maybe size isn't everything. The vessel's currently being built in Costa Rica. Everything about it has been thought through in a sustainable way. The shipyard where the vessel is being built is being built by Sail Cargo. The ship will be ready to sail next year, so I caught up with Danielle and we will have a full interview in next week's episode of the Aronex Show. But here is what she told me about the start of realising her ambition. Starting this with next to no financial backing um, actually made it more necessary for us to have the answers to every single question, to have planned better, to have a stronger foundation, to have more have done more feasibility studies to have every everything figured out because we needed our investors to trust us. It's not easy to say to somebody you've never met, please send $20,000 to this account in Central America where I'm standing in a field <laughs> and we have nothing to show for it. So we needed to have those answers. It's something important that you've brought up is that we are a for-profit business model where while we actually do maintain a lot of non-profit organization goals and values, uh, but that wasn't the point of this business. So we wanted to say exactly as you said, we can hold up our numbers and the, you know, it's a much smaller scale, but hold up our numbers and the numbers beside Maersk or any other for-profit shipping company. And we could say, look, we did it. We paid our taxes. we paid our investors. We paid our crew and we did it carbon negative. And so that was very, very important for us to be able to say that. The jungle ship being built in a wooden shipyard on the coast of Costa Rica. More from Danielle Doggett about the ship, its trade and her business plans in the next edition of the Aronex Show. So now we have our regular update on some of the other activities that have been shaping the transformation of the shipping and maritime space over the last few days. Here's Nick Chubb from Thetius. Thanks Craig, it's been a big week for technology funding. Singapore-based fleet performance startup Alpha Ori closed a $6 million Series A round, with ship owners Hafnia and BW Group leading the round. Alpha Ori develops fleet management tools that help operators to better manage their fleets. The startup surpassed 100 deployments in 2020, and this latest investment will help them fuel their growth. 
Also raising a Series A this week is Israeli startup Orca AI. The company has developed a collision avoidance system that uses computer vision to help bridge teams to make better decisions and ultimately to enable autonomous collision avoidance in the future. The $13 million investment was led by OCV partners with Mismar Ventures and Playfair Capital also joining the round. Over in the UK, the port of Southampton has announced it is deploying the UK's first private 5G network in a port. Alongside Nokia and Verizon, the aim is to create an ultra-low latency, high-security network to enable technologies such as IoT and edge computing that will improve the operation of the port. Coming back to Singapore now, and the Maritime and Port Authority has announced a new $90 million fund for a maritime decarbonisation research centre that will be set up in the city. Uh, corporate partners, including BW Group, Eastern Pacific, Ocean Network Express and BHP, to name a few, are each chipping in around $7.5 million to be part of the programme. MPA Singapore is going to match their contributions. We just launched a new report on Singapore as a maritime technology ecosystem. One of the key findings is that te technology spending is set to grow from 11% of the country's maritime economy to 20% over the next decade, with digital technologies becoming a major source of growth for the country's maritime industry. The 44-page report, which was sponsored by Startup Wharf and Inmarsat, is available to download for free from our website. Nick Chubb from Thetius ending this episode of the Aronex Show. And on a final note, if you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, I really would appreciate it if you could rate it and share it and kind of give it a thumbs up. Such small acts do nothing more than make me feel good and reassure me that people want what we can offer. And I'd also encourage you to visit the Fathom World website where you can read more on the stories I cover on the podcast and where you can also subscribe for our ever popular but occasional newsletter. Until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>